Let's pray again. Uh, God, help us to be attentive now to your word, to set aside uh, the distractions, uh, the things that keep us from you. Forgive our sin, uh, continue to heal us. Open our eyes uh, to the goodness of your character and your reality and your dominion. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they should be taken to heart. If my words deviate from your word in any way, may they be quickly forgotten. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my kids asked me last night at dinner, and I'm not making this up, one of my kids asked me last night at dinner, how much longer are we going to be in Mark? The question wasn't how much longer uh, do we get to be in the gospel of Mark and learn about Jesus and hear about Jesus? No, the question was how much longer are we going to be in Mark? To which uh, I calmly replied, well, why? Why do you ask? I'm curious. And that beloved child said, well, it seems like we've been in the gospel of Mark for forever, for at least a year. To which my wife calmly replied, no, it was only since last summer. And to which I replied, yes, August 30th. To which my beloved child replied, well, it seems like it's been a year. And then she did the math considering where we were in Mark and said, at this pace, it'll take us at least two years to finish. Maybe it does seem like we've been in Mark for forever, and certainly it seems like that to uh, someone in my family whom I love tremendously. I'm going to attribute that to COVID-19, like everything else in life right now that seems hard or prolonged or both or whatever. I'm just going to attribute any sense of that sort of thing with regard to the Gospel of Mark to the, re, to the pandemic that we're in and consider this a journey. We're on a journey. This morning we're continuing in the Gospel of Mark, but before we read, I want to reference our collective mission statement for at least the past 10 years. The stated mission of First Presbyterian Church of San Mateo has been to honor God by helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. You know this We've talked about it. Some of you have it memorized. Let's go ahead and say this together out loud at home, weird as that may be for yourself to be speaking into a home in which it's just you or maybe one or two other people. But let's do that now. The mission of First Presbyterian Church San Mateo is to honor God by helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. There you go. And I want to break this down a bit before we get started in Mark. Our mission is to help people become followers of Jesus. And then our mission is to help those people and other followers of Jesus to grow into more and more fully devoted followers of Jesus. And who are these people we're called to help become and to grow? Who are these people that we aspire to move along in this way and to help in this way? They are other people, and they are ourselves. Other people and ourselves. And God is always calling us, certainly, to grow ourselves continually in Christ, in grace and truth, as disciples bearing fruit of God's Spirit, growing in faithfulness, growing in devotion. If you are not 
continually growing in Christ as a follower of Jesus, you are, in some ways, missing out. I will dare say that any person who is in Christ, let's say any Christian, who is not continually growing in some way, shape, or form, small, large, whatever, is missing out on the abundance that God has for each of us in Christ. So the mission of First Presbyterian Church San Mateo is to help people, to see people move forward in their life in Christ, to grow in their faith, to grow in their commitments, to grow in their affections, to grow in their devotions, to bear fruit according to God's spirit and with regard to God's reign in their life, our lives, my life, and in the world. Are you growing? Did you grow in your faith and in your discipleship and your following Jesus in the year 2020? Or is that just a year for just surviving and keeping our heads above water and flat is fine? Did you grow in your faith and in your following Jesus in 2020, pandemic and all? And will you, in this year, 2021, Grow in Christ, grow in faith, grow in devotion. Questions for us to consider. And now to the scriptures. Mark, as you know, is the shortest of the four gospels. And Mark contains, not surprisingly, the least amount of the teachings of Jesus. Matthew, Luke, and John in their gospels contain large amounts and in some cases blocks of Jesus' teaching. Mark, not as much. Mark is more like Jesus goes from here to here to here to here to here. But right now in our journey through the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4, we've come across what is the biggest block of Jesus' teaching in Mark's Gospel. Four parables that Mark groups together, probably for a reason, one after the other. Three weeks ago we read and talked about Jesus' parable of the sower, also known as Jesus' parable of the four soils. Two weeks ago John Garcia helped us unpack Jesus' parable about a lamp and how that lamp was not meant to be hidden, but to show forth its light and to reveal things otherwise previously hidden in darkness. This morning we're looking at the next two parables, both of which, like the first parable, come from the world of farming, and this would have been typical for a parable of the day. If Jesus was with us today, he likely would have used parables, taught with parables from the world of engineering or technology or computers or robots or smartphones. A parable is a story about something very common in one's world and in one's midst that reveals a spiritual truth. A parable is a short story that in some ways reveals or points to a less seen or unseen spiritual truth. A parable can be and is a catch-all term that, can, that could refer to a metaphor or an analogy or even a riddle. There was some ambiguity also in parables. And now let's open Mark's gospel beginning at chapter 4, verse 26. Listen closely, this is God's word. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. 
A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though the man does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus takes it upon himself to tell people what the kingdom of God was like because people didn't know. Or because what people thought was the kingdom wasn't really the kingdom. People knew what David's kingdom was like, the greatest kingdom Israel ever knew back in Israel's glory days when David was king. They'd, told, they'd been told stories, they'd read the scriptures, they knew. They'd also heard what the Assyrian kingdom was like and what Pharaoh's kingdom was like over in Egypt. They knew all too well what the Babylonian kingdom was like, reigned or ruled over by Nebuchadnezzar into which or whom had taken them into exile. They were familiar with these kingdoms, but what about the kingdom of God? You remember that Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he did anything else in his ministry, any other subject in the Gospels. You remember at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, Jesus began his public ministry by declaring and announcing the good news that was in the arrival of the kingdom of God which had come near because the king had come near. The kingdom of God was coming and it was near and it was being revealed and it was in their midst and it was in them, Jesus said. Another of my kids shared with me about a week ago about how that child had been asked recently about heaven and how he had turned that conversation not so much to heaven, which Jesus doesn't talk a whole lot about, to the kingdom of God, which Jesus talks a whole lot about. He remembered a series of messages I did a year ago, and he may be the only one who remembered those, about the kingdom of God. And some of the things that we said then that I'm going to share again now for review. We talked about and said that the kingdom of God is not Israel. The kingdom of God is not the United States. The kingdom of God is not the church. The kingdom of God in the scriptures is not a physical or geographic area, realm, or region. The kingdom of God is not a strictly future reality. And then we noted a year ago some of the things that the kingdom of God, according to the scriptures and according to Jesus, is. Things that the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the authority of God to reign. The kingdom of God is the rule or the reign of God or the ruling or reigning of God in people's lives. The kingdom of God is the reality in which God, what, God's, what God wills is done. And the kingdom of God is all about its king. And now Jesus says through this parable, this, given us some more, is what the kingdom of God is like. 
A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And we see in this short parable, which is the only passage in Mark's whole gospel that doesn't appear in any of the other gospels. Scholars think the other gospel writers may not have known what to do with this unusual, rather cryptic little parable of Jesus. And so they left it out. We don't know. But this parable and this passage have no parallel accounts in any of the other gospels. We see in this short parable what scholars call the plasticity Inherent in parabolic teaching, there are a variety of ways to understand it. And maybe no one specific final way is clear. But we're going to give it a shot. Three weeks ago we read Jesus' parable of the sower, the parable of the soils. And this parable has some similarities to that one for sure. They both talk about a man sowing seeds. But the meaning of this parable is a little bit different and a little more mysterious it seems to have a different message night and day whether the man gets up the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how and that night and that night is mentioned before day and that sleep is mentioned before getting up emphasizes that the seeds growth the seeds growth does not depend on the man Who in fact is not even sure how the seeds grow. And yet the seeds do grow because they are seeds. And that's what seeds do. That's what they're supposed to do. They grow. How? People don't really know. They didn't. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Whatever else one can say about this parable, we must acknowledge. Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a process of growth. Say that with me one more time. Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a process of growth. Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a process of growth. But it's not a process that the man or that you and I fully control. In fact, almost the opposite seems to be true. Yes, the man plants the seeds, which in Jesus' parable of the sower referred to the word of God. But here, the point seems to be that beyond certain things, the seed grows and flourishes largely of its own accord. All by itself, Jesus says, which in Greek is the word automē, from which we get the word in English automatic, of course. And so we should be careful and even wary about using language like bringing God's kingdom forth. Or certainly building God's kingdom. Words and phrases that we sometimes hear and use. We may have some sense of a small role in such. But the source of the seed's growth is not an outside force. As much as it is the fruit bearing potential inherent in the seed itself. So Jesus likens the coming of the kingdom of God to a process of growth, but a process strangely independent of human activity. 
which reminds me of my effort in my backyard over the last couple of years to grow up some plants to become a hedge to cre create a visual barrier between my backyard and my near next door neighbor's backyard. I planted three plants there, hoping like the other plants in the yard of the same variety that they would grow as quickly as those others had. I planted the plants, I prepared the soil, I enhanced the soil, I added compost, I watered it regularly and appropriately, I added mulch on top, and yet these plants seem to be growing, these three at their own pace and in their own way, sometimes to my frustration, hoping, wanting them to grow quickly and to provide that hedge that I had hoped for. But in this sometimes frustrating process for me, I've had to come to terms with the reality that sometimes plants do what they do on their own. And there's nothing more that I can do. My role feels limited. And yet, according to Jesus, the kingdom of God is not motionless. I think it's important that we, we hear this. The kingdom of God is not static. It is not stationary. It is not standing still. It is not frozen or paralyzed or inactive. It's not just a thing that's up there that's waiting for us one day when we die. It is here. It is in our midst. Jesus says it is moving. It is growing. And so God has called us to help. To help people grow into fully devoted followers of Jesus. And to help ourselves in that direction. Our role may be very small, relatively. Our role may be barely measurable at times. The source of a person's growth is in the gospel itself and in the word of God. But we do seem to have some role. Even if it's just planting or harvesting one day. Receiving the seed of God's word. Paying attention. Praying with open hands. Waiting, hoping, listening. Planting, harvesting, and in the meantime, paying attention. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, the empire of God, Jesus said, is within you. Though not always on our schedule, not always as we expect, not often as we plan, not always in the way that we think, God will move. God does move. That is the message of this parable. I read something two weeks ago that stuck with me and that relates in some ways. Once a man was asked, what do you gain by regularly praying to God? The man replied, nothing. But let me tell you what I've lost. Anger, insecurity, and fear. And sometimes the answers to our prayers is not gaining but losing, which is ultimately gain. Sometimes the plant doesn't grow as we expect or as we intend or as we plan. 
but God is moving along his kingdom nevertheless. Jesus said in chapter 1, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is near. And such was the focus of his preaching. During this season of COVID, during this hard season, we could have ever, uh, we could have, we still can, turn everything off, shut everything down, go into hibernation mode, play self-defense, put up the walls, secure ourselves. But what in the midst of this does God have to teach us? How does he want us to grow? The kingdom of God is like a seed that is growing. These words were attributed to an unknown Confederate soldier. We don't know if they were really written by a Confederate soldier toward the end of the Civil War. They may have been written somewhere in history by someone else, but they've been attributed to such a soldier. The author wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I was asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for but everything that I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. And I, among all people, am most richly blessed. The way of Jesus' kingdom sometimes isn't as we expect. Jesus sometimes what people have called upside down, backwards, in reverse kingdom. Where we find our lives by losing them and we gain our lives by letting go. This is Jesus' paradoxical kingdom into which he invites us into which he calls us, that is around us and that is near and that is reigned over by a king. It's not grim, it's not dire. Rather, Jesus says, it is growing. It is, we don't know how, but it is growing. It is growing. God is doing it. God is doing it. The little parable that follows up after this is how I want to conclude. Jesus fourth in these series of parables. This one somewhat mysterious, but this next one illuminating it a little bit. Verse 30. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. 
yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Applied to and on top of and behind and supplemental to Jesus' parable about a growing seed, we can find in Jesus' teaching here encouragement. That what God has begun in us, he intends to carry on to completion. He intends to carry on and do things that bring him glory, that bring us joy, that bring about abundance, not just for us, but for all people. This is what he intends. This is what he will do. This is the kingdom of God in which we live immersed in and as much as we treat Jesus as king. May this be so this morning. Let's pray. God, help us as a congregation and as individuals to seek first your kingdom. To be aware that it may start small, but it ends up big. To do what you've called us to do and to take responsibility where you've called us to take responsibility, but otherwise to let go and to trust and to pray and to listen and to watch and to receive all of your goodness and all of your grace, what Jesus called abundance. Help us along the way to grow in faith, to participate, and to help others and to help ourselves along this journey. And it is a journey. We need you, we look to you, we trust you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, King of the kingdom, now and forever. Amen.